We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. fans welcome to another episode of her hoop stats unplugged welcome back from our three-week hiatus hope you've been bearing with us with our time off but we are back in the WNBA season it's here tip off of the 25th season of the WNBA is tonight 7 30 eastern on NBA TV so super excited to be back for the season and to talk all about um, some of the the big college offseason things that have happened in the last few weeks, as well as preview what we're jumping into today. So without further ado, I am here with Calvin Wetzel from our Hoop Stats team. Hey, Calvin, how's it going? Hey, I'm good, Megan. How are you doing? Doing well. It's been a while. I mean, it's been three weeks since we recorded this podcast. Totally. So um, (laughs) welcome back. Are you excited for the, the start of the WNBA season? By the time this comes out, it'll be the day so yeah definitely I'm uh I feel like I've had a little bit of basketball withdrawal I'm, I'm not like a big enough NBA guy to feel like I've gotten my basketball fix since college season ended so I'm definitely excited for the WNBA to be back <laughs> yeah same I feel like I took like a couple weeks off and the first two weeks it was like all right this is good like I'm just binge watching bad tv on Netflix but by <laughs> last week I was like I don't know what to do with myself anymore <laughs> like I log off from work and I'm like okay, what do I do for the rest of the night? So I'm definitely ready for basketball to be back. <laughs> uh, we have the same life, I think, Megan. That That's my, that's like my <laughs> April tradition every year is is to binge watch something. After I get done binge watching March Madness, I got to binge watch some show. And, yeah. <laughs> over my sorrows that college basketball is over. <laughs> what did you binge watch this year? Uh, I, I've been going back through Criminal Minds. I know it's a little bit of an old show, but it was one of my favorites and I haven't watched it in a while. So, um, nice. got started back all the way with season one from that one. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. I just watched, I won't say what I watched because I have horrible taste in television. I watched a lot of trash. Um, <laughs> but yeah, excited to be back <laughs> okay. for the season. I mean, <laughs> we've got good TV to watch Thursday night. Well, this will, by the time it comes out, it will already have happened. But the WNBA documentary, one of 144, is coming out on Thursday night. And then season tips Friday night. So tonight, if you're listening to this Friday. So super excited to be back for the 25th season and to get things going. I think it's, I mean, we're going to talk about it shortly, but it's definitely going to be an interesting season. I think there's a lot of question marks with all of everything that happened in free agency and I'm really excited to see how things shake out. Yeah, definitely a lot more question marks than last year, I feel like, on the court. Maybe last year had more off the court question marks with pandemic and everything <laughs> going on, but 
this year, I feel like there's, there's a lot of things we don't know in terms of the actual teams and how, and you know, how they're going to do. So I'm definitely excited as well. Yeah. So we're going to get into that in just a few minutes, but I wanted to start it off just talking about some of the big coaching moves in NCAA women's basketball that have happened in the last couple of weeks, because I don't really think we could start this podcast without at least talking about, uh, you know, Kim Mulkey leaving Baylor. It's huge news, maybe outdated news at this point, but still just, I think, one of the most blockbuster coaching moves that I can think of in NCAA college basketball. She built that program at Baylor really from that the ground up. I didn't really ever think I'd see the day where she like left Baylor to go somewhere else. So headed to LSU, which is a huge, huge move in the, the women's basketball space. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing that stands out to me about it is just that the SEC was already sort of establishing itself as the best conference and definitely was the deepest conference last year. And now they just added Kim Mulkey. And <laughs> I mean, we talked about, you know, you, you said she built Baylor from the ground up. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to think she won't do have the similar success at some point maybe not right away, but at, you know, at LSU. So it just makes the conference that much deeper and scarier. Um, and definitely, definitely be exciting to see some, some Kim Mulkey, Dawn Staley matchups among others in that league. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely looking, looking forward to that, especially in a couple of years from now when she's had a chance to really build up this LSU team. I think the SEC is just going to become an even better even bigger gauntlet than it already is. I think, I mean, we saw this season how good of a league it is and it just keeps getting better. So I think that's really exciting to see. Not nearly as blockbuster news, but they also add uh, Shea Ralph as a head coach in the SEC this offseason too for Vanderbilt. So another big, big name is Jim from UConn there. So the SEC just keeps getting better, which is pretty scary when you think about how good it already is. It doesn't feel like Baylor is going anywhere either, though. They hire... Atlanta Dream coach Nikki Collin, which obviously has impacts for the Dream heading into the season, but I mean, I don't think the coaching hire could have worked out any better for Baylor. That has to be probably like the top of their wish list in in terms of who they could have brought in to take over Mulkey's role. Yeah, honestly, I thought it was a great hire. I thought it was a great move for both sides too. You know, it, it's it felt like Nikki Collin maybe had a little bit of pressure to succeed pretty soon in Atlanta. Um, she even sort of hinted at that, I think, in in uh, in one of her press conferences. You know, just that the way the last couple years have gone since uh, since that playoff run with uh, in Angel McCautry's last year, I believe it was, and uh, you know now they're starting to add these pieces again with Kennedy Carter and Courtney Williams, and it felt like she she really maybe had some pressure to get them back into the playoffs, but. Now she's going somewhere where she can, you know, in, in her own words, kind of be herself. Just she's not Kim Mulkey. She's a totally different coach, which is good. And, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what it means for the dream, but I definitely think it was a slam dunk hire for Baylor and an excellent career move for Nikki Collin as well. Yeah, and you have to imagine that she's going to have a lot of success there just in terms of it's already a, a you know really good college basketball job. It's an esteemed program. And, uh, I mean, what more as a player can you want to to come in and play for a coach that's coached at the next level already and really knows what it takes to play at that next level? So I think it's going to be a really, really great hire for them. And I think so far, at least, really the only player that has announced that they're transferring is Moon Erson. So they're keeping a lot of that talent on that roster in Baylor. The talent's not leaving. So she should have a pretty solid team to start things off just this coming season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, it, it certainly can't hurt recruiting to, to have that experience in the WNBA when you have the, the top level talent who, um, you know, has their eyes set on the WNBA at some point. You want to play for a coach who can really who, who you know, has been there before and can can get you to that level. And Nikki Collin is definitely that coach. Exactly. And then I think one other big news this week in terms of coaching hires over in the, the Pac-12 former Cal head coach and then current current Cleveland uh, associate head coach in the NBA, Lindsay Gottlieb, is returning to the Pac-12. She just landed the job as USC's head coach. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because this is now sort of the, the second, I think the second, unless I'm missing a third one, uh, coach that has, has 
taken a little detour to go to the NBA and then come back into college basketball with Neil Ivey, you know, from Notre Dame. And then of course went and coached with the Grizzlies and then came back to be the head coach of Notre Dame. And it's really cool to see more women getting involved in, like I said, I'm not like a huge NBA fan, but more women getting involved, you know, in NBA coaching and being able to use that as sort of a career launching pad to get back, back into, you know, college coaching. Uh, and I definitely think she'll do well at USC. Um, and excited to see how she does there. Agreed. I mean, she had some success at Cal, especially with Christine Anigwe, obviously playing in the WNBA now, big talent. Cal was pretty good for a few years with her. And then, yeah, I think USC is a team that's been a little bit better in the Pac-12 the last couple seasons than expected. And that's not necessarily one of your Pac-12 powerhouses by any measure, but still a solid team. So I'm excited to see what she does as she gets in there. And I mean, what we talked about top women's basketball conferences recently, it's the SEC. And then the Pac-12 is not that far behind. So I think the more big hires that Pac-12 can make like this, they're going to be right there with the SEC in terms of that level of competition in, in conference play. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 is right there with the SEC at the top. I think the SEC is just deeper. And so when when you bring in a coach you know, of her caliber to, to coach one of those teams that's not in that top tier in the Pac-12, um, you know, if you want to compete with the SEC, you really have to bring up your, your sort of middle tier teams, which is where USC is. And of course, last year we saw Washington State make that jump from bottom tier up into that, that tier that compete with the top. And if, if USC can get there as well, um, that just is another layer of depth in that conference. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really the depth that is kind of separating the SEC versus the Pac-12 right now. So as much as the Pac-12 can add that depth, they're going to be just just as solid as, as the SEC is. I feel like someone needs to create like an SEC Pac-12 challenge for women's basketball. They do a lot of those on the men's. I don't <laughs> think that pairing exists on the men's side, but I think we need that pairing on the women's yes. side. <laughs> yes. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I would really like to watch that. It would be a great way to get some really high-quality non-conference games in, in November, really at all levels of the, both of those leagues. So someone should get on that. I don't know who, but <laughs> I, I hope they see that at some point. <laughs> all right, that's probably enough college talk for today, considering the WNBA is, is tipping off. So... It's time to talk about the WNBA. WNBA 25th season coming up. Really exciting. Um, like we said at the top of this, just so many questions on the court going into this season. There was so much movement in free agency. I think if you go back, if you want to recap a free agency, there's a couple unplugged podcasts from back during that period where we, we talked through a lot of the big moves, but we finally get to see what that all looks like on the court. So I'm definitely very excited to see what happens this weekend, but maybe before we deep dive into what's on the slate for this weekend's games, let's just talk through a little bit what we think the landscape of, of the WNBA looks this season. We're not going to go strict power rankings. We're just going to talk in tiers because I think it's nearly impossible to try to order these teams from 1 to 12 right now. I could probably spend three hours trying to figure it out and not get anywhere close to an answer. So <laughs> we're just going to talk in tiers because I think until we see how all these big offseason moves shake out, it, it's really hard to do anything else. Should we start at the top and talk about championship contenders to start off? Yeah, let's do it. I think, you know, like you said, you know, last year, I, I think most people probably agreed coming in that the Storm were the favorite. And that really didn't change throughout the entire year. And of course, they ended up winning the finals. Um, this year, I don't know if there's that much agreement on who the favorite is, which is which is cool. That's how I like it. Um, you know, the, the more parody, the better in my mind. But uh, to me, there's a tier and I think some people might maybe be mad at me that I'm leaving a team or two out of this tier, but there's a tier of teams that I think could win the championship. And I'm putting five teams in that tier. Um, I'm putting the sky, the mystics, the storm, um, the aces and the links. That's my five who I'm putting in that tier. And like I said, there's, there might be a couple notable omissions uh, that, that some, I don't know if you disagree me with me, if so, you can fight me on them. Um, <laughs> Or maybe people on Twitter can let me know, but but I think that's that's my five that that I'm I'm looking at. I think could legitimately win the championship this year. 
Yeah, no, I feel like that's a pretty solid group. I think if you were looking at my group, it's probably about that as well. I'd maybe throw Connecticut into the conversation, but I don't know that they're quite there. So I think that that five is a pretty solid group to look at in terms of the championship contenders. And yeah, it's five teams out of a 12-team league. So like we said, there's there's lots of question marks, right? There's Obviously, five teams aren't even going to come close <laughs> to winning a title. It's over half the team that even make the playoffs for the WNBA. So Lots of questions to answer, but yeah, I, I agree with those. Let's start with Seattle because I think, you know, had they kept together everything from last season, they probably would have been the heavy favorite going into the season, but they lose Natasha Howard and free agency. They lose Alicia Clark. They lose Sammy Wickham. So they lost some pretty big pieces to their team, and they brought in some young pieces to kind of fill some of those gaps, but I think we're looking at a very different Seattle team than we looked at last season. Yeah, definitely. You know, anytime you have Brianna Stewart, you're still automatically in the conversation, regardless of who else is around her. Um, but losing a lot of those big pieces, I think, is it really brings the storm back down to sort of everyone else's level. And they still have, honestly, almost as high of a ceiling, maybe, as they did last year, I think, because they have a lot of, like you said, those younger pieces who maybe if everything goes perfectly for them, they do click and play really well. You have Ezzy Magbabor. Uh, I think I just botched her last name, um, but you know, the, the young up and coming star who, who should be in the starting lineup now, who definitely could have a breakout season um, in place of Natasha Howard. You have Katie Lou Samuelson, who people had high expectations for. Obviously she's disappointed in her first couple years with the sky and with the wings, but who knows, uh, you know, maybe the storm is where she finally finds her fit. And, and finally, uh, performs at, at the level that maybe a lot of people thought she would come out and coming out of college. Uh, Kiki Herbert Harrigan, obviously still only in year two and, and definitely a big question mark in terms of what they get from her. So there's a lot of those pieces where if you get sort of the, the maximum potential out of those young players, then you're talking about the best team in the league. But I think the thing is that last year they didn't have to get the maximum potential out of every single player on their team. They could, they could have some players maybe underperform in a sense and still be better than everyone this year. I think if they're going to win the championship, they're going to need those players to reach their ceiling. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think their margin for error last year was pretty big. I mean, we saw them just sweep through the, the playoffs. They go six and all in the playoffs when the, win the championship on pretty much a route of Vegas in the final game. So they just had such a high margin of error last year. And like you said, they still have Brianna Stewart, but I think outside of that core of Stewart, Sue Bird, and Jewel Lloyd, they're going to need other players to, to really step up if they're going to win a title this year. Um, and that might not be the same player every night. I do think they have a lot of really solid young pieces on this team. So they've got a little bit of margin for error in that, you know, it might be Katie Lou Samuelson that steps up one night and Ezzy that steps up another night, but they're going to need those players to really step up and make big time plays. I think for them to be winning a championship again this year. Yeah. I think Mercedes Russell is probably another one yes. that we didn't mention who definitely they, you know, could step up and, and fill another role off the bench for them. And, and if she, if she hits her full potential, that'll just be another piece that they have, but a lot of ifs on this team. Exactly. Which I think is going to be a common theme as we go through all of these teams. I think the other the next one that I want to talk about is the, the, the Aces. They, you know, can lead off a finals appearance last year. Asia Wilson wins MVP in her, is it her third season? Yeah, her third season. Um, so, obviously, big expectations for her and for the Aces heading into this season. They get Liz Cambage back. Um, so, that's obviously a, a big thing for them. They didn't have her last season. I think my biggest question mark, here is I almost feel like they were better in the front court without Cambage last year, and that's not a knock to Cambage. It's just more of a like the way that they play, the spacing in the front court with her and Wilson on the floor together just doesn't always work as well as you you might hope. And do they have the shooters to really balance that? I think you know they've added Chelsea Gray, but they're going to be relying I think on Kelsey Plum to really step up her shooting in order to have the players on the court to to space that appropriately and really make it all work together. Yeah, and to your point about shooting, obviously they lost Kayla McBride, who was their best shooter, you know, in free agency. Um, the top two in the three-point con last two three-point contests. That, that's a big loss when you really need spacing. And then Angel McCautry, too, had, you know, with that, that brutal injury, um, 
this past week that was was obviously not like a high volume shooter. No one on the Aces really is because Berlin Beer doesn't like threes. But um, she she was an efficient shooter and she could definitely stretch the floor, you know, at the three positions. So those are some big losses when you're talking about spacing the floor. And if Bill and Beer cares about spacing at all, I'm not sure if he does. Uh, I think he might have to let Asia Wilson take that step back and, and maybe take a, take a couple threes this year. And maybe even Jackie Young. I know she, you know, they, they both are very capable of hitting those long jumpers. So you know that they can shoot. Um, if either one of those two players is able to even, you know, occasionally knock down a three if they're wide open this year, um, I think that would be a big boost for the Aces. But I do think even with all those spacing problems, they still, just in terms of their defense, their rebounding, their their bully ball in the post, still have enough to win a championship, especially when you consider, I mean, they were right there last year in the finals, obviously. And just from a pure talent perspective, they got better than they did last year because they do bring back Liz Cambage and they do bring back Kelsey Plum from the injury. And they did add Chelsea Gray at, you know, the most important position on the basketball court at point guard. So whether the pieces fit together spacing wise is, is that's, that's the if with this team, if we're, if we're sticking with the theme of ifs, but talent wise, they're, they're probably, you know, as good on paper as any team in the league. I think. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of another common theme with a handful of these teams in this top tier, right? It's like a lot of them have a really strong core on paper, but it's a core that we haven't seen together yet. So how does it all fit together and does it work when it gets on the floor? And it's probably going to take a little bit of time for them to figure that out, but does it all come together at the right time to win a championship is going to be kind of the big question. Um, And yeah, with the aces, I think, like you said, on paper, they're definitely more talented than they were last year. It's just a matter of how does it all work together. And I think, you know, I mean, a front court of Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson is really hard for anyone, any team in the country to guard, right? Like, how is any of these teams going to guard that front court duo? So as much as spacing is going to be a concern, I think they, they've definitely got the pieces to be contending for a championship this year. And I do think Kelsey Plum will be sort of an X factor because we, we, we saw her in the last month or two, really in the playoffs, especially uh, in the year before her injury, sort of break out uh, and become that, you know, maybe not quite that level, but that that scorer that we saw at Washington, who's the leading scorer in college basketball history. Uh, and if she can sort of continue that trajectory, pick up where she left off before the injury in that regard, uh, I think that'll be massive just to have that, to have that score in the backcourt, um, you know, especially next to Chelsea Gray, I think would be would be really huge for her. Agreed. Agreed. So interested to see them take the court this weekend and see kind of how all those pieces start to fit together. I think the next one of the next teams you mentioned was the the Minnesota Lynx. This is a team I'm really excited about for this season. The team that just really outperformed any expectations last season. Sylvia Fowles misses most of the season. They still finish fourth, make it to the WNBA semifinals, lose to the eventual champion Seattle there. Um, I mean, Nafisa Collier has been a player that's been really exciting to watch since her rookie season heading into her third season here. I think it's a, it's a, a big piece. And then if they have fouls healthy as well, I mean, as much as we just talked about how good the Aces front court is, that's a really solid front court in Minnesota as well. And with a little bit less of a spacing problem in that they've added some shooters in the offseason, they kind of picked up the pieces that they, they needed that they were lacking last season. And you've also got an int- a little bit more interesting front court duo in just that Collier can step out and take the three. So that just automatically helps with, with your spacing problems inside. Yeah, honestly, I think this <laughs> the links are about as far as you can get from the aces in terms <laughs> of spacing problems. I think, I mean, when you look up and down this roster with the exception of Sylvia Fowles, I, everyone can shoot the three. I mean, Demiris Dentis broke out last year and, and was able to shoot the three, you know, from the four or five position, like you said, Nafisa Collier can shoot the three. Uh, the two best three-point shooting seasons in Minnesota Lynx franchise history were both last season um, in terms of three-point percentage. That was Bridget Carlton and Rachel Banna, uh, which last season was a little bit of a smaller sample, obviously, with the shortened season. But you have you know those two players stretching the floor on the wings. And then you add Kayla McBride, who, like we said, is, is one of the better shooters in the league coming over from the Aces. And you add Ariel Powers who, you know, can also knock down the three and play some defense. And then Crystal Dangerfield obviously can knock down the three. I mean, everyone on this team, basically, except for Sylvia Fowles, <laughs> can stretch the floor, which I think is going to – Cheryl Reeve is going to have a blast with, you know, 
with just in terms of different players to bring off screens and, and open up space for, you know, fouls to work, work inside. So I think <laughs> I'm going to get ahead of myself here. I don't know if you're going to ask me this question later, but I'm just going to answer it right now. I'm going with the Lynx uh, as my as my championship pick, as my pick to win the championship. I was going to ask you later, and actually that's my pick too, which I think is a bit of a hot take. I don't think that like it's going to be a favorite. I would probably get called out for it on Twitter, but I think they're, they're my favorite to win the championship <laughs> right now as well. I just think, I think we saw a team that was really, really solid in the bubble last year. It wasn't expected to be solid, and then especially once Sylvia Fowles and got injured. They just really weren't expected to be in the conversation. And they were in that conversation. Then you add Kayla McBride, you add Ariel Powers. They kind of take, I mean, Chill Reeve is obviously, she's a fantastic GM. This is no surprise that they're able to add exactly what they need. But they take their weaknesses from last season, fill them with really, really solid pieces. And then you've got a young core in, you know, in the piece of Collier, a really young player in Crystal Dangerfield. So players that you expect are going to keep getting better plus a veteran like Sylvia Fowles and then all the pieces they have coming off the bench. There's just this, it's an exciting roster and I'm just really excited to see what they do this season, but they're, they're my favorite to win the title as well. Yeah. And you know, we've seen Cheryl Reeve can win with, without a ton of talent. Um, she's just that kind of coach and now she has the talent and we haven't even mentioned, I don't think, you know, their other free agent signing Natalie Achanwa, who, I think it's just a big signing from the standpoint of having depth in the front court to, to keep uh, Sylvia Fowles fresh, you know, because Fowles is 35 now. She only played, I think, seven games last year, struggled with some injuries. And, uh, you know, she's finally, got, uh, it sounds like, coming to terms with the fact that she is going to have to, you know, settle for a little bit of load management. Um, and she's not going to be able to play 30, 35 minutes every game the whole season. Um, and, and she knows that. Cheryl Reeve knows that. But... When you, when you add someone like a Chanwa and you, and you also have, we already mentioned, Dumpus and Collier, I mean, you have the pieces in the depth to keep Fowles fresh and have her at 100% come playoff time, which was, you know, a struggle down the stretch last year. So I think uh, the depth to this team, and of course, Renaya Davis, too, who is hurt and out indefinitely. We don't know when yes. she'll come back, but they don't really need her. That's just icing on the cake. And for them to get who Cheryl Reeve had number two on her draft board, for them to get her at number nine after getting the last two rookie of the years at number six and number 16. I think that's just, if she's able to come back and contribute in any way down the stretch, uh, you know, that's just going to be the icing on the cake. Yeah. Obviously unfortunate when anyone goes down and gets injured, but in this case, like I feel like Shelby probably had another rookie of the year on her hand, possibly with the, with the number nine pick. So it's just insane what she's been able to do in these last few drafts. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully we'll get to see her a little bit later in the season in the timetable on her return. But like you said, they, they don't really need her this season. They have so many pieces already. Just having anything from her would be icing on the cake here. So I think the next team is the team with the biggest free agency news of this year in the Chicago sky, obviously adding Candace Parker. That's the biggest storyline there going into that, but another team like the Aces and like Minnesota that's really got all of the pieces and all the talent that you need to, to win a championship. Yeah, it's, it was an excellent move from the, you know, not only just from a standpoint of Candace Parker is awesome and she's from Chicago, but you know, they, this is a team that is in win now mode and they should be in win now mode with, with uh, Vandersloot and Allie Quigley, both on the wrong side of 30 at this point. Um, so and, you know, the fact that Candace Parker was the defensive player of the year and this team struggled with defense um, more than anything else last season. So I think it's just it's a perfect fit. I as a Sky fan, you know, the, the bias side of me just really hopes that this move sort of puts them over that hump. They've been trying to get into a playoff series the last couple of years since James Wade came there and obviously have gotten knocked out in the single elimination rounds. It definitely could be the move that puts them over the hump. But um you know, the interesting thing about the signing, too, I think uh, Eric uh, Brugard from Junior All-Stars brought this up on the podcast that I did with him the other day. His uh, He made the, the good point that a lot of people have talked about the Sky struggling with the, the backup point guard position, which was definitely accurate when you look at, you know, their their net rating with Vandersloot on and off the court last year was night and day. It was the biggest gap for anyone in the league. Um, and they, they addressed that in the draft with Shiloh Heal, but you also sort of address that with Candace Parker in the sense that she can 
you can run the offense through her, you know, at the high post or she can even handle the ball a little bit. And um, you don't even necessarily need to have a true point guard on the floor at all times when you have Candace Parker on the floor because you can run the offense through her. So I think that'll also allow Vandersloot to rest a little bit more and stay fresh and, and just open up different options in the offense. So it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to, to how James Wade, you know, uses, uses those pieces. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought about at all, but it's a good point and just goes to show you, you know, Parker's versatility and what she's going to bring to this team is kind of very multifaceted. And then I think the other big thing with this team is, is Diamond DeShields healthy. I think that was, you know, a big blow to what they were hoping to do in the bubble last season. She just really never looked herself. I think she had a lot of promise heading into the season and is the player that a lot of people are excited about. So Hopefully she's heading into the season fully healthy and we get to see kind of that diamond to shields that everyone was really going to see last season. And I think that's going to be another piece that kind of helps put this team over the edge, gets them into a playoff series. Um, if, if she's as a young piece is playing really well, that's going to be a huge asset for them. Yeah. And, you know, knock on wood that she is fully healthy. It sounds like from what I'm hearing that, that Azure Stevens, the other one who dealt with injuries last year, is the one that, maybe still has some lingering effects and they might be managing her minutes. Uh, but it sounds like diamond is full go, no minutes restrictions, nothing that she's ready to go. Uh, so definitely hope that we can sort of see that athleticism in, in the diamond that we saw towards the end of uh, two seasons ago, a little bit like Kelsey Plum in a sense that they were both really trending upwards, I think toward the end of 2019 um, and then Plum was out all of last year and Diamond played some, but was never really herself. Um, and definitely hoping both those players can sort of regain that end of 2019 form. Yeah, I think even heading into the bubble season last year, there was like some preseason talk about Diamond as an MVP candidate, which might have been a bit of a stretch, but it was it was still something that was on the table. So I don't think she needs, especially with the addition of Parker, I don't know that she needs to play at that level for this guy to be in the contention for this championship but I think just her returning like you said to that level that she was playing at the end of 2019 is going to be a really big for this team all right I think the last team in our very large championship contender tier is the Washington Mystics who just snagged the final playoff spot <laughs> last season but obviously this team looks remarkably different than it did in the bubble I think starting obviously with the 2019 MVP Elena Del Don coming back, she she opted out of last season, and then also their big free agency signing from or trade, I guess, from the 2020 offseason. Tina Charles joined the team in 2020, also opted out of last season, but will now be with the Mystics going into 2021. So I mean, two huge pieces right there that that opted out last season, and then also you have Natasha Cloud back too. So a very different looking team than what the Mystics brought to the bubble. Yeah. And this was a team, you know, they brought in Alicia Clark too. And of course she also had that unfortunate injury, but this was a team I think before the Alicia Clark injury that I was maybe thinking of putting even above the links uh, as my championship pick uh, just because, you know, they do bring so many players back. Like you said, plus Tina Charles and, and Alicia Clark, such a valuable piece. Uh, they definitely still have that ceiling, but that, that injury was obviously a big blow as well as the fact that it sounds like uh, Elena Deladon is still struggling with some of those back issues and, you know, maybe uh, have to deal with that injury throughout the season and have to either limit her minutes or miss a game here or there. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. You know, hopefully she, we get to see as much of her as possible, but it also sounds like from everything mystics, people are saying that Tina Charles is, is looking like MVP Tina Charles, you know, turning back the clock a little bit which would be very exciting to see and definitely put the Mystics, you know, right there in that championship conversation if they if they do get that level of play from her. So, um, I, I, you know, Mike Tebow is another one of those coaches, you know, that can, can win a lot of different ways and can take, you know, whatever talent he has, he's going to use it, get the most out of it. So uh, definitely, definitely going to be competitive team, whoever's on the court, I think, uh, whether, whether they get the most out of Elena Deladon or not. And uh, I'm excited to see them as well. Yeah, agreed. And I think and also an interesting part point about Charles is, you know, in New York, not to 
be rude to the rest of New York, but she was just so much the focal point of that team when she was there, right? <laughs> there just she didn't have the level of pieces around her that she's going to have in Washington. So I think that takes a lot of the pressure off her game and allows her to probably play a little bit more free and play closer to that MVP level that we've seen before because she's got a lot a lot stronger core around her than she necessarily had when she was, was playing in New York the last few seasons. All right, should we move to the next tier? I guess it would be like your playoff teams would probably be what we should call it. Yeah, you could uh, you can maybe call this uh, like the tier of sort of teams that I'm pretty sure are going to make the playoffs, but I don't think are going to win the championship. I think I only have two teams in this tier. Um, and I have seen some people put both of these teams into the championship caliber tier, which I disagree with, but their fans can, uh, you know, disagree with me or whatever. I'm, I'm putting the Connecticut Sun and the Phoenix Mercury into this tier. The Sun, I, you know, I understand they have John Quill Jones coming back. They lost Alyssa Thomas uh, to injury. I just think, I mean, I, I, I don't see the Sun dropping off too much in the regular season. I just think Alyssa Thomas is such a key loss when it comes down to crunch time and playoff time and end of the regular season. And she has that, that motor that, that she can sort of turn up when the games matter most, more than maybe anyone in the league um, and just elevate her level of play at, you know, and I, I just don't see them making a deep playoff run, you know, that I, they could have all the regular season success. Um, Maybe they, you know, maybe they finish in the top four and get a bye. I don't know, but I'm not sure I see them making a deep playoff run like they did last year. And then the other team is the Mercury, who I've also heard a lot of people talk about them sort of as maybe a team that could be a final four championship type, a semifinal championship type team. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure if I see it either. I think they still have mostly the same team, the same core as last year or two when they were more of a five through eight type of team playing in that single elimination round. Um, they added Kia Nurse and Megan Walker. It's really, if they are going to prove me wrong, I think it's going to come from those two, not from the big three. Because I think we sort of know what we're getting at this point from Tarasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith and Brittany Griner. You know, Griner did have a down year last year, granted, so she could, you know, come back strong and, and play, you know, she definitely has room to improve her play from 2020, which was really her, the worst year of her career. Um, and if she does that, that could, that could bump this team up as well. But uh, I, I just think we sort of know what we're getting from them, but Kia nurse is, is sort of maybe a question mark in the sense that she, she was very good, obviously earlier in her career and with the Liberty. And then last year with the way that that team played so many rookies and didn't have very many options around it. It was almost like the Tina Charles effect, like you said, with, um, when you just don't have very much around you, you know, at New York, she wasn't able to really, she, she had too much attention on her and that'll definitely open up in Phoenix. So I definitely expect that the worst case scenario for her is still going to be a better season than last year. Um, and she did score 26 points in a preseason game the other day or whatever that's worth. But uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I see her adding enough to this team to put them into that championship tier. I, I see them in that five through eight range again. Yeah, I think what has to happen for this team to push itself into that championship tier is Brittany Griner has to come out and have a fantastic season. She has to be a kind of an MVP level, not playing necessarily as MVP, but like in that level, in that conversation. And we definitely didn't see that last season. So right now I agree with them kind of in this next year. I feel like we're very agreeable today. Pretty much agree with every grouping you've made so far. But yeah, I just think that we, we've seen this big three in action last summer, even though Griner did leave the bubble early, so we didn't see a full season of it. We, we've we seen it in action. It didn't have this, like, resounding effect that everyone, I think, kind of thought it was going to. So Griner playing at another level could certainly change that. But right now, I, I think they fit right here in this. Like, they're definitely a playoff team, but I don't think that see them making the leap to being a championship contender. Um he and Nurse definitely adds something there. Like you said, I agreed again. Like, the, the effect of being in a Phoenix team where she's not going to be the focal point of the defense, where she's got a lot of other pieces around her is, is going to help her game. And I think hopefully she kind of returns a little bit more to that 2019 season where she was an all-star for New York and had a really solid season. If she can play more at that level, that's definitely going to 
help Phoenix, but I still don't know that that puts them over the edge to be a, ch- a championship contender. And then Connecticut here, I agree. Just losing it, Alyssa Thomas, they're a team that if they had John Paul Jones, Deanna Bonner, and uh, Alyssa Thomas in the front court, I would be like, yeah, they're a championship contender. I don't know how anyone in the country is going to guard that trio, but I think Alyssa Thomas is just such an important part of this organization and just really an engine that makes them run and especially come to playoffs. So for me, they're definitely a championship team. They have all, or not a championship team, a playoff team. They have all the pieces to make the playoffs and be firmly in that conversation. But I think without Alyssa Thomas, their their ceiling just comes down a little bit this season. Absolutely. Do you have anyone else in that in that tier as well, Megan? No, I think that's it. I think I put the two of them in that tier. You can I think people are probably surprised that we don't have LA in that tier, but to me, I it's just too many question marks in LA right now. So they're going into my next tier of I think I've got probably four teams in line next year that are like, could maybe make the playoffs. I I feel like New York is on the fence with that next year. It's like a tier of LA, Dallas, and Atlanta, and I don't really know where to put New York. I uh, that's funny, Megan. I came in here. I came in here thinking that I was gonna have all these, all <laughs> these, you know, like different takes or whatever controversial takes. Like oh, I'm gonna pick the Lynx as my champion. I'm gonna have the Sparks really low. I'm going to say the Sun and the Mercury can't win the championship. And you're agreeing with everything. Like, I don't know, great minds <laughs> think alike, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, have, I haven't heard anyone else be as low as we are about the Sparks either. I'm, I'm putting them into that same group of the third tier would be, I guess you'd say, like basically the teams who are probably going to be fighting it out for the last playoff spot in the last week of the regular season who, who are maybe still going to be uh, have something to play for and not eliminated yet. Um, but you know, they're, they're definitely going to have to have to have to really work that last week to, to grab that eight spot. And I'm, I'm putting the sparks, like we talked about and the Liberty and the wings and the dream all in that tier. Is that who you have? Yeah. I'm hesitant on New York. I almost want to drop New York out of it, but yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. So yeah, the thing with LA is just they've lost so much. They returned Neka Gumake, which is obviously a huge piece, but to lose Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray, that's two-thirds of their kind of big three that they've been riding with for the last few few seasons. So I just don't see a clear path in what they've added in terms of roster to replace those two players to be performing at a level that makes them a definite championship team. Um, I think those are two really, really big holes to fill, and I just... When I like look at who they've acquired in the offseason, I nothing feels like it's going to quite fill those holes for them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I had the exact same thoughts about losing, you know, two of your big three that you've had for so long. It's just gonna be really tough. And just to, you know, for our listeners, so who they have added is they bring back Chinegumke, who opted out last season. Uh they had Erica Wheeler. Bring back Christy, not bring back, well, yeah, bring back kind of Christy Tolliver, um, who opted out of last last year and also obviously played for the Sparks however many years back before the Mystics. Um, and then they add Jasmine Walker as well in the draft, which I think was a solid draft pick. So they added some of these contributing pieces, um, which is why I actually think the Sparks sort of shifted their window, you know, from sort of a win now team to a 2022-2023 type of mindset, especially with the Gabby Williams trade as well, bringing her in. But of course, she can't play this year either because of the full season suspension. Um, so I think a lot of these moves that they made are going to pay dividends, you know, in the years to come. We talk about Gabby Williams or, or Jasmine Walker, um, probably not Christy Tolliver. She's she's on the back end of her career. But uh, I just think for this year, this is a team that's going to be trying to figure out who they are now with all these new pieces um, and, you know, with NECA being the only, only holdover from that core, the big three. Um, and I just, I haven't even necessarily been impressed, honestly, with, with how they played relative to their talent in the last couple of years, uh, maybe mostly just how they ended each season, I think in the playoffs, but, um, and that may or may not say something about Derek Fisher, which we don't have to get into, but uh, I, I just, think with what a lot of the other teams did this year in terms of this offseason in terms of improvement, um, the Sparks sort of went the opposite direction. So I I see them maybe hovering around that playoff cut line. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, Christy Tolliver is a really solid piece that they added in 2020. They didn't get to see the court for them last year. But I don't know that she fully replaces Chelsea Gray. Chelsea Gray as a point guard is just a very different player. And it's a hard... It's a hard role to replace. And then, I mean, nothing obviously replaces Candace Barker. And they've got some good young pieces here, but I don't think they have enough that's going to mesh all together quickly enough to make them in the like definite playoff category for this year. I think it's going to take some time. They've got young pieces. And if you look for the future vision, I think there's definitely a lot of good pieces here, but I just don't see them being a really solid team in 2021. I actually don't even know that I have them at like the top of this tier, which is probably shocking to most people, but I feel like there's a little bit more excitement around some of the pieces that are in Atlanta or in Dallas, even though they're really young rosters, that they might be able to kind of slip into that last playoff spot easier. Interesting. Well, all right, we had to disagree on something, so maybe we can disagree on here on who we have at the top of this here. So this uh this tier. So you're gonna put Atlanta or Dallas at the top of this tier? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Dallas. I think, I mean, part of it a little bit hinges on how healthy actually is Mariah Jefferson. I think she's, you know, obviously a number two pick from back in 2016. Has just dealt with so many injuries in her career so far. But if they can have a real true point guard and added to this dream backcourt, or not dream, wings backcourt, I think that's going to be huge. It allows Arika Igumbalali to play off the ball more, which is going to allow her to excel more. And I think if you're looking at a backcourt of, you know, a starting backcourt even of Mariah Jefferson, Arike Ogumbo Ale, and Alicia Gray. That's a really, really solid foundation. A young foundation, but it's, it's a pretty solid trio of players in the backcourt. There's a lot of question marks in the front court, but they've got a lot of young pieces that they can switch in and out and figure out what works. So I think this is a team that when you look at that backcourt, I'm like, this is a backcourt that can work now if people stay healthy. And then is that enough to kind of push them over the edge here? Yeah, and you know the thing with the, all the question marks in the front court is that when you have enough high draft picks and young talented pieces, um, some of those ifs are going to end up being a yes. You know, they can't all they can't all be busts. Um, so you talk about Charlie Collier and Owat Kuyer, and of course Satu Sabli already showed some some signs of promise last year. Um, Bella Allery, I think uh, you know. You're, you're guaranteed to hit on a couple of these, whether you hit on all of them or not. So, so yeah, I, I might have Dallas at the top of this tier as well. Either them or here's where we can disagree, though. Other than, rather than Dallas and Atlanta, I think I'm going to have Dallas and New York competing at the top of this tier. I know you have New York closer to the bottom of this tier. Um, we can get into them next maybe. But I, I, I just think Natasha Howard is a game changer. And, you know... Hopefully they have Sabrina for the whole season this year, who's also a game changer. Um, and then, you know, last year, one of the biggest things they struggled with was shooting, um, which, you know, well, Hopkins loves to play five out, but what's the point of five out if no one can shoot? And that, you know, obviously having Sabrina back, she can shoot, but Sammy Whitcomb was a big, uh, big add, I think, in terms of adding shooting as well. And I think now that Kia Stokes has had an entire year in that system where she has been free to take threes. Um, I think this year she'll start maybe making a few more of them. Um, and so I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they'll be competing in the last week, like we said, around that eight, nine cut line. Yeah. To me, I mean, New York has definitely got significantly better than last year. There's no world where they win two games this season, right? They're going to win a lot more than two <laughs> games. So <laughs> they honestly might have been the team that got the most better, that's really bad English, but they got the most better in the offseason. Um, <laughs> but I still don't know that they're quite there. Like Natasha Howard is obviously a huge piece for them. I think ultimately they needed some experience. They needed something in the front court. They bring her in. That's that's going to be huge for them. And like you said, Sammy Whitcomb in terms of shooting. And then Sabrina Ionescu should be obviously, I mean, everyone's disappointed we didn't get to see her rookie season really play out last year. But hopefully we're going to get to see that. The, the season. So some really solid pieces, but they still just to me have such this wide group of young players, a lot of different players at the wing, kind of too many players at the wing. I just don't see how it all fits together yet. And maybe once they get on the court, we'll see that. But to me, there's this dual 
way too many question marks about how this is actually going to all come together and to be something fluid that produces enough on the court to get the wins they need to be really in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, and another one of those new pieces that is going to have to figure out how she fits in is Benajah Laney, obviously coming off of a, you know a huge breakout season, um, and then they pretty add her as well. So um, they're definitely significantly more talented. I, I agree with you. I think they got the most better. I'm not sure what the right way to say that is. They improved the most. Uh, but I think it's sort of the same deal, you know, in reverse with the Storm in terms of the Storm were so much better than everyone that they could drop off a little bit and still kind of be right there in that top tier. And the Liberty, you know, were so far behind everyone that I think they can improve as much as anyone and still sort of be on the outside looking into the playoffs. Um they're definitely going to win a lot more than two games. They're definitely not going to be the worst team, in my opinion. Uh, and they're definitely set up, if not this year, I think in a year or two to to really get to get back to where they want to be. Yeah, for sure. I think they're definitely on the right trajectory. I just don't know that they're quite there this season. I think the other team that's in that group then is the, the Atlanta Dream, another team with a really exciting backcourt. I mean, they bring back Tiffany Hayes, who opted out last season, but then you brought in Courtney Williams for the 2020 season um, from the Connecticut Sun, so really exciting piece there. Kennedy Carter from the 2020 draft, and now Aaron McDonald from this year's draft. Just a really fun, dynamic, young backcourt that's exciting to watch for sure. Um, just another team I think a lot of new pieces a lot of young pieces it's still kind of a lot of question marks in the front court and how it all kind of gels together to out on the floor yeah I think the Atlanta dream or maybe the the team that's the biggest reason why I'm excited to start getting fans back into arenas just because some of those you know players they got some swaggy players in that backcourt and I mean those players deserve to play in front of a crowd you talk about Hollywood Carter and and Courtney Williams, and they, of course, they drafted Aaron McDonald. I mean, it's not fair to keep all that, all that personality, you know, hidden with no fans in the seats. So, I'm definitely excited to see them play in front of some crowds at some point. And I, you know, I think they have some off the court momentum in terms of uh, the the deal with with Kelly Leffler and now Renee Montgomery t- taking over in the ownership group, uh, which is which is definitely a big part of, the, of their off-season news, I think, as well. So see how that translates on the court. Obviously, we, we let off the podcast talking about Nikki Collin going to Baylor, so they have sort of a last-minute coaching change. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out as well. Um, the front court is more of a question mark, but, I mean, this, this back court is going to be fun, absolutely fun. Yeah, I'm very excited to see them take the floor all together this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Even if they don't win a lot of games, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So. Very excited for that. And then the last year, <laughs> the Indiana Fever. I don't know. This is a team I just don't understand what they did during free agency. <laughs> I don't understand what they did during the draft. Obviously, I mean, people running this program know more than I do, but I just I don't see a very clear path for them to be competing for any kind of playoff for this season. They feel like the season's version of what New York was last year to me. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think they're in a tier all by themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, we don't know, you know, 1% as much about basketball as as any of these coaches or GMs. And, you know, I feel really stupid questioning someone like Tamika Catchings, but I, I was sort of intrigued, maybe the word, by some of their decisions, such as the Jantel Lavender signing, who is a player that I love. But she feels like a win now player, not a build for the future player, especially with that contract. Um, you know, unless they're trying to have some like a veteran to sort of mentor some of those young players like Tierra McCowan and, and Lauren Cox. There's a lot of money for a mentor. Um, but, and, you know, and then, like you said, the draft pick, Kaiser Gondersek, which just sort of threw everyone for a loop and, and all the mock drafts were shattered at that point. Um and it's, it's just a move that, you know, maybe she does know more than the rest of us. And Kaiser Gondersek ends up being an all-star. And we all say, like, why did the, none of us see it coming? Or uh, maybe it ends up being one of those things uh, that ends up exactly how the mock drafts thought it would. And uh, it turns out to be a waste of a number four pick. Who knows? Uh, but at the moment, it's, it's sort of like a I believe it when I see it type of thing uh, with with that move as well. So I don't, 
I don't know what the direction of this team is, but it's not in win now mode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of exciting young pieces here, right? You've got Victoria Vivians, T.R. McCowan, Kelsey Mitchell, Lauren Cox, Julie Almond, who had a great rookie season last year. So a lot of really good young pieces, but so many question marks about how it all fits together and how they're going to win games. I mean, they struggled last season. I don't feel like this is a team that got significantly better in the offseason by any means. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, they won six games last season. Probably two of those was against New York. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a different season for them, I think. And I think it's going to be a difficult season for them. So, I mean, they'll probably have a really solid draft pick next year. So maybe they'll be able to make some some moves heading into 2022. But right now, this team just kind of feels like a team that's not going to be in the playoff conversation at all this year. Yeah, you could have Ryan Howard next year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think the problem for them is that uh, <laughs> when you look at the other teams who have missed out on the playoffs the last couple of years, I think they all got better over the offseason. Obviously, the Liberty got way better. I think the Wings and, and Dream got better, too. Uh, and the Fever didn't. So you're talking about everyone around them sort of making you know making a jump up with, with them staying right where they are, which is, which is definitely going to put them um, I think the over under at <laughs> last place for them. I'm not sure if I see them even getting 11th, but uh, <laughs> who knows? I've been wrong about a lot of things before. <laughs> yeah, we could be wrong, but yeah, I pretty confidently would. Put, I don't think I could confidently <laughs> slate anyone else into a, a numbered spot in this in this league this season, but I'll pretty confidently put yep. Indiana Fever at 12. <laughs> all right should we talk a little bit about what's going to happen this weekend Uh, games tip off on friday uh we've got games all weekend long so i think by by sunday everyone has played Um, so it'll be exciting to see every team in action over the next next few days um any games that you're definitely circling on on your calendar i mean i think the saturday ones are probably the obvious answer but Anything Friday night that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, well, the Saturday ones were going to be my answer. <laughs> of course, they're, they're both on ABC. Uh, they're both between. It's four of the five teams that we mentioned in our championship tier playing on national TV. So Saturday is really the day everyone should circle. But um, Friday night, I'm circling the Mercury and the Lynx. It's on CBS Sports Network, 9 Eastern. Um it you know we talked about the links being our, our both of our picks for champion and you know it, even a lot of people who maybe aren't quite that high on them are definitely putting them in that top top four that top tier um, and then and then the Mercury who we said have a lot of question marks but certainly should be a playoff team um, and in which Brittany Griner will we get will we get the Brittany Griner of 2020 will we get the Brittany Griner of 2015 2016. Uh, It'll definitely be interesting to see to see that. Of course, the you know the downside to this game is that well, really a lot of the games early in the season is that a lot of the players aren't going to be back yet. And from the Lynx perspective, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that Nafisa Collier won't be back yet, uh, and Kayla McBride. So we won't be seeing you know exactly this full roster that that we'll we'll hopefully be seeing in a few weeks. Uh, definitely still a game that I'm looking forward to most. I think on the opening. Yeah, great. Some missing pieces there, but that one should be a good one. I think the other one I'm circling is probably the Wings versus Sparks, like we just talked about. Lots of question marks for the Sparks, and then the Wings got some solid pieces in the backcourt. So kind of two teams that are, again, in the same kind of tiered grouping that we talked about just before this. So excited for that one. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the highlight of this weekend is Saturday games. We've got Sky versus Mystics at 1 Eastern, and then Aces versus Storm, a rematch of the 2020 finals at 3 Eastern, both on national television. Those games, I feel like, are must-see TV. Mark your calendars. Find somewhere to watch them this weekend. You're not going to want to miss those. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, it is interesting. We talked, you know, off-air about how the opening opening game uh, is between who we think is going to be last place and a team who maybe could be 11th. It was last place last year. It's on NBA TV, which doesn't really feel like the way the season should start out. But in order to make this game sound way cooler than it is, uh, I'll just throw out there that first off, the Liberty are debuting in the Barclays Center. 
um, which they were supposed to do last year, but the pandemic ruined that. So it'll be their first game in the Barclays Center. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I don't know the attendance restrictions. I'm, I'm sure it'll be limited. But um, the other thing is that Liberty are home, and we both agree they're a better team. They should win this game. This is the first game. So there will be a point in this season, I'm just going to point out, when the Liberty will be first place in the WNBA if they can win this game. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Something to look forward to after that first game. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, we shouldn't undersell too the importance of the fact that they're going to be in Barclays. I think when they used to play in the Westchester Sports Arena, I've been to G League games at that arena. It is so small, so the move to Barclays is just so huge in terms of a fan experience and growing this team. And obviously, I mean, Sabrina is a big part of that in terms of like being a young face for this organization. So um, I know at least some fans are allowed to start off and hopefully that will, will increase over the summer. So definitely a, a huge thing for the Liberty of the summer. So should we finish it off with just a couple rapid fire questions? about the season I already well we already kind of talked about who your pick to win it all is but um if you had to pick who's going to be in the finals going into the season who would it be um I'm I was definitely going to go with the aces before the Angel McCautry injury I still think I'm going with the aces though although I'm less confident in that pick um I do think at the end of the day with all the spacing issues and all this stuff it's it's the same stuff that we've talked about for the last couple of years. And throughout the year, it's the same narrative. The aces don't have any spacing, you know, they can't shoot all, you know, all they do is score around the rim and they, it's worked out for them so far. Like they, they made the finals last year. So I just think ultimately as much as we harp on that stuff, they have enough talent that I think they are going to end up making the finals. Fair. Um, I think for me, I would go it's probably Seattle, Minnesota as your finals. So a rematch of that fun Nafisa Collier-Brianna Stewart matchup we got in semifinals last year. <laughs> Sign me up for that. But um, yeah, I think that's who yes. I'm going with going into the final is <laughs> Seattle versus Minnesota. How about your prediction for who's going to win MVP? Um, yeah, so last year was a really fun battle, I think, between Stewart and Asia Wilson all year. And, and to me, I think what separated Asia is the fact that she had to carry that team so often and Brianna Stewart had so much around her. Uh, There's just more of a load on Asia. And I think that script has sort of flipped uh, when you talk about what the Aces added or bring back with, with Chelsea Gray and Liz Cambage, uh, take a little bit of a load off Asia. And then the Storm lose pieces like Alicia Clark, Natasha Howard, Sammy Wickham. I, I think that the, there's going to be a bigger load on Brianna Stewart this year. So uh, I think Brianna Stewart's the best player in the world anyway. And this year I think she's going to have to have to be a little bit more so. Um, she just had also a phenomenal April overseas, uh, just winning every award that you can win. So I'm going with Brianna Stewart as my MVP. Yeah, I'm going to be real boring here and disagree with you, but <laughs> it's hard to argue against Brianna Stewart winning MVP <laughs> of this league, especially the way she's coming off of her Europe season and just I don't know. She just she plays at that next level pretty much all the time, and like you said, she doesn't have necessarily all the pieces around her this year, so she's gonna have to play at that level more consistently. So, yeah, I think she's a pretty heavy favorite in my opinion going into the season just to take home the MVP. And one last one: Who's your pick for Rookie of the Year? I feel like this is gonna be a very interesting battle this season. <laughs> yeah, this one is so tough because no one really stands out above the rest. Um, in the way that we have a lot of years, uh, I, I, you know, it's a lot about opportunity, obviously with rookies, just getting enough minutes to put up the numbers to get that award. Um, to me, the most talented rookie is a Wat Kuyer, And I think she will have enough of an opportunity on the wings that, that I'm going to, I'm going to have her pencil her in as my rookie of the year. Uh, emphasis on the pencil though. Definitely, definitely no pen. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Like you said, it's about opportunities. So I think really someone from Dallas, New York, or the Fever is going to have the biggest opportunity to really step it up there. I think there's probably some opportunity with the Wings in New York for someone to take it just because I think, I don't know what the rotation is going to look like there, but if someone can step up and really find a solid spot in the rotation, um, I don't think anyone's going to be, I'm penciling this in too because I think it is wide open, but I'm going to go with Michaela Anuari, which is, not surprising that I'm saying this, but a bit of a hot take, I think, in terms of the league, just because I do think she's a unique player and there's an opportunity in New York. So I'm 
I'm excited to see what she's going to do. Megan, your UCLA love knows no <laughs> bounds. It spills over into the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to the WNBA. I am excited to try to go catch her playing in Barclays this summer. So it's definitely on my list of things to get done this summer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Calvin, for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you rate, like, subscribe to the podcast wherever you find us. It helps others find us and more people enjoy our content. Also, make sure you are subscribed to our free newsletter on Substack. You can get all of our written content there, as well as make sure you are subscribed to the stats site, all of our college stats, as well as WNBA stats heading into the season, and more things will be rolling out throughout the summer, so definitely keep an eye on that for updates. Thanks again for listening.